The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Before the Victorian era, it was very difficult to make green dye. Anytime they tried to make any, the dye would fade very, very fast. This was very unfortunate for the people at the time because people back then loved wallpaper. Anyone who can make green wallpaper could make a killing on the market and essentially be labeled as a hero. So in 1775, Carl Wilhelm Scheele invented a special green dye that would not fade named Scheele's Green. People used it on wallpaper, clothes, shoes, and basically any cosmetic item you can think of. It's, it's a beautiful shade of green, too. Um, but to make this, Scheele had to put a little something called arsenic into it. A rat poison, for all those that don't know. People would grow horribly sick, develop rashes, and die expo- when exposed to this substance. The dye would dust onto people's skin, yet they still used it. Note, too, that this was created in 1775, but this dye was highly associated with the Victorian era, which only started in 1835. The substance was, uh, didn't get out of use till 1860, almost 90 years, almost a century. The worst part about it, too, was people knew the entire time. They did not think the arsenic would be that dangerous. They instead thought the reason people were dying was a witch curse that came packaged with the wallpaper. <laughs> Scheele himself even warned the manufacturer about the arsenic in the dye, and everyone collectively said, how bad could it really be? This moment in time is very morbidly poetic for me. I'm kind of obsessed with it, kind of. Like, you know, Google it after. It's, it's, it's a very beautiful shade of green. But it just perfectly summarizes history in itself. People thinking that something is beautiful, but their eyes deceive them. They chase vanity even at the expense of their own life. Society throughout history seems to be so bent to follow their ignorance to chase what they think is beautiful that we need to find our own definition of happiness, our own definition of beauty. Don't we find that desire in ourselves, though? You know that feeling they get deep down inside when, you know, someone tells you what to do? You feel this need to do the exact opposite of what they said? You feel the need to disregard what they have to say? You feel the need to hold back the anger and frustration so you don't slap the toupee off their head? Why? Because nobody tells me what to do. Teenagers feel like they have to have this independence because parents just don't understand. I'm a taxpayer, and I pay your salary officer, so I don't think you should give me this ticket. I mean, this is America. It's government of the people, by the people, for the people. You know what, God? When I'll need you, I'll stick a crumpled dollar into your vending machine. Why in the world do we do this? In a culture where there is no God or a Christ is not honored, it is only the practice of individualism that will give us purpose and meaning. 
postmodern ideology founded in the philosophy of thinkers like Nietzsche, Sartre, and Camus assert that authority must be rejected in order for us to make our own decisions and bring a true, authentic purpose in life. But you know what? We all need this thinking anyway. We didn't need these philosophers because this has been a problem ever since the beginning. People during the time of the ju- uh, judges were already rejecting authority and doing what was right in their own eyes. Because, I mean, we were even doing before, we were doing this before judges. We were doing this back in the Garden of Eden. We have the knowledge of good and evil, which essentially means that we will now decide what is good and what is evil. Meaning that we decide, we decide what's good. We decide what's evil. We decide what's right. We decide what's wrong. Nobody, including God, can or will decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. Not very becoming for those who profess Christ. An obvious trait and characteristic in atheists and atheistic ideals with agnostic methodologies. But why in the world do we do this work in the church? Why are we as a church putting shields green on our walls? Because this is not a philosophical or psychological issue. It is a sin issue. And we know what the wages of sin are. It's death. So is there any hope for us today? Well, let's find out. Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in, their, in his own eyes. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that, I just thank you for today. I pray that you give me the strength to deliver the word, deliver the gospel, a gospel in a way that honors you. The way I pray that as a church we can be lifted up in spirit, that we can focus on you, worship you, grow in the Holy Spirit. Lord, just please bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first thing we'll look at today is the context and background of a culture and society that does not nor will not honor and worship God because God is dead. In our culture, we have no king. The second thing we'll explore is how we justify what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. We are always right in our own eyes. Finally, we can rejoice and we can see why the resurrection of Christ gives us hope in light of our hopeless darkness of autonomy. Because Jesus is alive. Thesis statement of the day. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to see our individualism as our true savior in life, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to see a life of inclusion in Christ. It is the life and life more abundant. First point, no king. When the cat is away, the mice will play. So within this chapter of Judges, it tells the story of Micah. Micah took a thousand hundred silver coins from his mom. His mom, obviously, was quite frustrated with this. It kind of sounds like she ever let everyone knew it too, because Micah came back to her with a guilty conscience. You know, he's like, hey, mom, so you know, so you know that guy we were cursing, that, the guy that we stole our money? Well, turns out that was, uh, that was me. Uh, you can have it back now. So my, Micah's mom, probably after slapping the back of his head, uh, forgives him and blesses him. 
She then dedicates the return coin to the Lord, which is amazing. Then she has a silversmith turn the coins into an idol. Wait, 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 what? Hey, God, I love you so much that I made this horrific creation that spits in the face to celebrate. It spits of, in your face to celebrate, sorry. Exodus 24 to 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Is this really what the Israelites were taught was beautiful? When the cat is away, the mice will play. This uh, example illustrates that everyone did what was right in their own eyes during this time. And they did this because there was no king. There was nothing there to ensure the following of decrees and direction. There was nothing there to enforce the following of decrees and direction. There was nothing there to enlighten the following of decrees and direction. When the cat is away, the mice will play. So I did some online schooling. Um, and every now and then, the application we would use for school would kick, it would glitch and it would kick the teacher out. And so the teacher would kind of have like a couple minutes to try to get back in. Um, and you know, you got com- students there, you know, kind of com- confused. You got students and you just pull up a book, just read while they wait. They had me. <laughs> kind of said, anarchy, and just kind of act like a rabid animal. (laughs) I thought it was funny. Um, And, okay, I'm sure that you thought the same thing in classes when the teacher left, you know? You just suddenly have the whole world at your fingertips when the teacher leaves. You can build the world into a utopia or destroy it with your uh, dictator hand. Sorry. I was going to sound cool, but it's a hard word to say. Um, yeah. But at least this is with, just with kids. This example is just classrooms, just with kids. But what if we had a culture built around this? When the cat is away, the mice will play. In our culture today, unfortunately, even in the church, God is diminished. Christ is gone. Who is the Lord anyway? Because now there is no eternal consequence. There is no one watching. In our American society, isn't this idea so palpable? In America, we have this quote-unquote freedom that we think means we can do anything. I mean, you look in recent history, and there's this strategic move to push out all authority. Also, we can find our identity on our own. That's the biggest buzzword of today, identity. We've done all this preparation so we can have it for ourselves. We can make our identity whatever we want. Yet people are still struggling, even when they have every idol they could ever ask for. Women, go be successful CEOs. You can do that now. Hey, man, get into a homosexual relationship. It's fine. We support this now. June? Pride Month? We've gone so far down, we can mutilate children's genitals for the sake of identity. 
and people are still not happy. Doesn't that sound like a kid who complains about uh, having an ice cream cake for his birthday? You have the world. Why are you still unfulfilled? Because society is looking for identity where it doesn't exist. Now, like I've said before, this is expected of an atheistic culture, a culture that doesn't believe in God. Doesn't believe in God. Romans 8. Now, like I said before, oh yeah, but this identity mismanagement, why is it in the church? What is it that we do? Who are we really when no one is watching? Who are you when you leave this church today? What are you like when you start work on Monday? See, we can smile and we can laugh along. That's super easy. It's hard to keep that smile after we've done our business, right? It's a breeze to look the part with a halo on your head, but even easier to drive on the highway to hell. Do we think that we have that right, though? That right to that kind of identity? Most importantly, the most important question, can we get away with it? Nope. Because the king of Israel is not dead. You might think no one is watching, but I tell you the eye of the king of kings is on us every day. You might think that we are getting away with it, but he is alive and keeping account of all that we have done and will do. You might think that he looked away for just that second, just that second, but I guarantee you he hasn't. The Lord saw you steal that pen. The Lord saw you cheat on that tax reform. The Lord saw what you did with your neighbor's wife. The Lord saw you fill in the blank. Mom didn't see your hand in the cookie jar, but I guarantee you it will catch up to you because Christ is an all-knowing God. What poor, poor souls we are if we don't see this. Say it with me now. When the cat is away... The mice will play. But the cat is looking at us right now. Second point. Always right in our own eyes. The race in our culture is only right-hand turns. This passage in Judges is also very fascinating because it's kind of a play on what Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 6.18. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. It's almost like the author of Judges wants to convey that following your eyes is kind of, well, I mean, the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. Following our eyes means finding other things besides Christ. Following our eyes means knowing God is not in our hearts. Following our eyes means rejecting everything God has given us to follow follow a made-up identity. All his graces dispersed. See, this is before the later kings that came. The the time of judges was before kings like Jeroboam, Baasha, Zimri, and etc., They were not there to guide the evil. 
The time of judges had people left to their own devices, and they still rejected God, putting up shields green on their walls. No one was there to cause problems. No one was there to mandate problems. So the people of Israel just kind of stood there and said, well, fine, I'll do it myself. Proving the point that we don't have others to blame for our sin. There is no, oh, oh, Satan made me do it. No, 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 no. The government made me do it. You know what? No, 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 no. It's God's fault I'm like this. We are responsible for our sins because it's our evil flesh telling us, go ahead, do it. And we ourselves go, sounds fun. We are responsible, yes, but we still reject it. We still don't like the term sin. We don't like our sin. So we need to find ways to justify the sin. Make the eyes right. It's like an alarm clock. You know, you set it for six in the morning, and then you go to sleep, and then six comes around. You wake up, kind of do some calculations in your head, and you're like, you know what, I can sleep a little longer. Press the snooze button. Wake up, snooze button. Wake up, snooze. Wake up, snooze. Like, oh no, I'm late. We want to push all this sin off, make our identity a fine enough person when our real identity is that we are sinners. Romans 1, 18 to 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Please, please understand this. An excuse cannot be found. So the sin comes up with ways to defend it. Culture understands that we are fallen. Okay, everyone knows that we are fallen. People of today's culture will admit they've made some mistakes. But just mistakes. Not sin or grievances, just mistakes. Because if you say it like that, then we're fine. We can just slap some glue onto mistakes. Mistakes are fixable. We can die and meet Jesus at the pearly gates of heaven and tell him, like, like, come on, man. Remember that time I didn't yell at the guy who beat me? Remember, remember that time I gave the homeless, homeless man that pizza? Remember all those times I went to church? Then Jesus rolls out a scroll, a mile long, telling us all about our mistakes. That's option one diminishing your sin to the point that it's nothing. Option two, God is just dead, like we talked about before. The nihilistic philosophy that creates a hole, a hole that our culture thinks we can fill. God no longer gives a purpose, so we have to rise up and make our own purpose. But those purposes are lies. That hole is filled with riches, fame, not being a decent person. 
and it still needs to be filled more. Because all of that is fleeting vanity, just like Ecclesiastes describes. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 to 11. And whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all, all my toil. Then I considered all that, I ha- that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Option three, fake it till you make it. You can use God to hide behind. Do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, as long as you slap a Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your car, you know what? You're saved. I don't have to read the Bible because, you know what? I follow a Christian meme page on Instagram. Hey, don't tell me I'm wrong. God told me I was right. I would love to see that conversation. It's like, come on, God, you told me to do that. It's like, just because because you use a funny voice does not mean I'm the one talking. We're sinners, people. That's fundamental to our identity. The world doesn't want to see that, though. It wants everything done on their own terms. And we can see that penetrate penetrate the church when it comes to legalistic ideology. It's it's, It's so silly. Our very flesh is infected with corruption. Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. We can do nothing apart from Christ. Yet in our American ideals, we've encouraged each other to pull ourselves by our own bootstraps. Now, yes, we do need to take responsibility. We need to use the willpower in the day-to-day but ultimately, all that strength, all that willpower is given to us by God. You still got to do what you got to do. We just don't survive on luck. We don't survive on the idol of our ego. Now, it goes the other way, too, all the way to the other side, where now we have a passive church, a church that supports the idea that you can believe whatever you want and be fine. A church too scared to say, that's sin. A church that supports your going, that you going into Christianity is so that it can benefit you through riches, through blessings, blah, blah, blah. It's only supporting people's autonomy, encouraging, encouraging to put more shields green on your clothes. Guys, hell is not passive. It's, it, it's so sick, too, because these people are begging to be saved. These people in the world, they're crying every day to find their identity. That's their main goal. I mean, I've, I've heard people say to people my age, you know, I'm 18, that I don't have, I'm barely even a person because apparently I'm not supposed to have my identity by now. I assure you I do. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't. But let's see, let's, let's, let's see where that thinking goes because that would mean Even a baby isn't a person because it doesn't have an identity. It's just a clump of cells. 
So that means I can rip apart an image bearer piece by piece for the sake of my comfortability. Have you seen the tools they use? They're like jagged teeth of an animal that they rip. Shields green, people. Death for a false beauty. That's what a passive church supports. Like I've said before, hell is not passive. The church is here to tell people that they do the church is here to tell people that they don't have autonomy. But they can find their identity in Christ. They can come to Christ. Third point. Jesus is alive. As Christians, our identity is a sinner, yes, but most importantly, we are the children of Christ. What more can we ask for? It's a gift. Again, our society is begging to find an identity like that, but they've been lied to. Told that God is hateful and cruel. Told that the Creator is oppressive. But it's weird, because when people have a correct understanding of who God is, it seems to set people free. Maybe Maybe you have seen different, but that's what I've seen. I have friends that have broken away from church. I hear stories of friends of friends that have broken away from the church. They try to believe that this is the avenue to true happiness. Some people just realize, you know what? They never grew up truly believing what's been taught to them. Some friends, you know, they just get caught up in worldly addictions. I'm hearing a lot of stories of people even joining the LGBTQ uh, community. People transitioning, changing their gender to find happiness. Mutilating their own bodies. And let me tell you something. None of them are happy. From what I've seen, none of them are happy. None. I was told from a friend of a friend... Or I was told from a friend that had a friend that she's living off in this tent with her female husband. And so she's living in a tent to get away from her oppressive home. And she is more bitter and angry than ever. Now tell me if you've heard this one. But doesn't that sound like a kid who had an ice cream cake who doesn't want an ice cream cake for his birthday? You have the whole world now. Society has pushed out all authority for you. So you can, you can be anything you want. And you're still unhappy? Really? Doesn't that ungratefulness sound like Christianity? Every day when we sin, we take for granted what God has given us. Saying this false identity is far greater than the identity our Father has granted us. Every time we sin, we're saying that. Every time we fall short, we're saying that. We're saying that to the one who created everything. People, you know, they'll call me a hypocrite. And you know what? I have to agree with them. I'm a sinner. You know, I mean, they're a hypocrite too. Let's be honest here. They're a hypocrite too. But you know what? Yes, I am a hypocrite. I'm a liar, a cheater, a grinner a lover, and a sinner. How ungrateful we can, uh, we can be. But how 
fulfilled we can be in Christ. Say what you want about my generation, but we prove that a life without Christ is barely valuable. We've proved that without Christ, we might as well just put shields green on our walls and die. It's better than living in a bland and poor apartment. Have you seen the suicide rates, guys? We can do anything and be anything today. Yet everyone is still sad and miserable. If we can do anything, then do you know what that means? That means I can, be a, I can just die. If there is no God, then there is no heaven and hell. So I can just end it here. I can end the suffering and meaninglessness. How depraved have we become. That's how foundational Christ is. Without him, our lives have no value. I mean, we were made in the image of God. Not the image of nothing. Now, everyone knows the never-ending story? What was the bad guy in that film? Nothing. That was it. Just nothing. And at the end of the movie, sorry if I'm spoiling this if you haven't seen it, but the way to stop it was to say, I think the princess's name? I can't remember if it's princess or queen. It's going to sound a little cheesy, but isn't that what we need to stop the nothing? Say God's name make it go away. Let him shine through every facet of your life because without it, it is nothing. If people see you without Christ, do you know what they see? They see nothing. Let our Savior shine through us. John 6, 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We, we need to lose this self-righteousness, this desire to find our own path, our own identity. It's so silly thinking we can redeem ourselves because Christ has something so much better. Our Savior says he, he'll handle it. He'll be the one to carry us and wash us whiter than snow. Is, isn't that amazing? People don't understand that or just such a glory hog wanting to take all the credit. It's so much better just to accept the love Christ has already given us. We need to reach this world. They are so lost. But first, we need to pluck the logs out of our own eyes. Repent so we can enjoy the fruits of Christianity. Repent, so many others can enjoy it too. We live in a world where people only look in darkness. These people need saving. And don't think the gospel can't penetrate their hearts because he totally can. I know you see all those piercings. Okay, you think they're just going to bounce off. But no, it can. Because... This can sound a little mean, but if he can save you, if he can save me, then yes, he can save anyone. Our sins deserve death and so much more. But our Lord and Savior died for our sins. He took on the full wrath of the Father so we can be washed clean. Yes, our identity is that we are sinners. 
But if we put our trust in the Lord and relinquish our sins, then our identity is being a child of God. We can rejoice because our identity is clean. Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.